0: Welcome to Staff Picks, the podcast for movie nerds by movie nerds. As always, I'm Mario Lanza, and I'm your host through the movies out there that maybe just need a little more attention, that need a little more love. And our movie today is one that I have been looking forward to talking about since about the very first episode of Staff Picks, and it's kind of shocking, it lasted about, it took about 45 episodes before we got around to it, and really the only issue is I just could not find a co-host for it. This is a very kind of obscure movie from the early 80s that um, it's fairly well known, but only if you kind of grew up with it. It's one of these that didn't really last, it didn't make much of a legacy outside of the time period that it came out in. And what we are, uh, we are talking about is 1982's Last American Virgin, which some people would argue might be the first modern teen movie uh, it will be interesting we'll try to go into that but it's a movie that came out it was only maybe a minor modest hit and it kind of died out and it didn't really uh endure like the john hughes movies like fast times at ridgemont high it didn't really acquire much of a legacy over the years people kind of forgot about it because i would argue maybe it's not the strongest teen movie, but it does have something about it that you will remember, and it's one of these things. The ending of this movie is such a legendary ending, and we got to talk about it, and uh, I'm very excited to delve into this. Um, my guest today, he's been on the show before. This is a guy I brought on to talk about Black Christmas. I think that was back on our third episode, way back in the day and uh, he's nice enough to come on this is not a movie he grew up with but he watched it based on a recommendation that I gave a while back I had written a, a, a summary of Last American Virgin he read it and he said oh I'd love to come on and talk about that so uh, uh, please welcome back to the show Michael Feeney hey thanks for having me back Mario I appreciate it man yeah, so I think last time we described you as a younger version of me. Are you still a younger version of me, or have you, have you progressed to uh, having your own identity at this point, Mike?
1: <laughs> no, I haven't
0: matured quite
1: yet. Uh, I'm still this mini Mario at this point.
0: <laughs> so last time we talked about a very, very dark, evil, um, morose horror movie, and this time we're going to go complete 180 and talk about a very randy, racy sex comedy. So before we start, Mike, I have to ask you, Are you ready for the sex, Mike?
1: I am ready for the sex girl.
0: (laughs) Well, what we're talking about, if people, for people who might not know this movie, this is a very, very racy teen sex comedy and they, uh, they love to, it has a great soundtrack, really fun soundtrack, but they love to beat you over the head with the same song about 10 different times in the movie, and it's very blunt, like whatever's happening in the movie, the lyrics of the song literally spell out exactly what's happening, so we're going to play the song, Are You Ready for the Sex Girl, several times during this movie, it's very exciting.
1: It's a good song, glad to hear it multiple times. They do beat you over the head with, with the songs, but it's, like you said, great soundtrack, I don't get sick of them.
0: Okay, so why don't you build up your history with this movie? How did, like, I know you're significantly younger than me. How did you come, a, I said come across would be a bad way to say it. How how did you discover this racy teen sex comedy from 82? Was it specifically because of my write-up?
1: Well, mostly because of your write-up. Um, I was born four years later, grew up with older brothers, uh, much older brothers. So I actually remember this movie. I have a very vivid memory from childhood of things I saw that were on TV I remember this movie from childhood. I was I watched some crazy stuff as a kid, but uh, this one, did, you know, just passed me by. I think it might have been a little too much for my you know six year old self. Um, but I do remember just random scenes. And then you put your list out, and I read the list and uh, watched it from there and fell in love with it right away.
0: Yeah, it's it's a movie that's one of those that I I didn't know growing up. Again, I always say this. I didn't I wasn't really allowed to see R movies, and this movie is pretty much at the definition of an R movie. So this is not one I would have seen. And I remember seeing the cover of it in the video store when I was a kid, and it was like someone's jeans unzipping, and there was a girl in there. I'm like, well, that's probably not one that would fly at my house. And it was kind of like in the Porkies, the screwballs tradition, kind of that era, but. How I learned about it is, I've mentioned it before, there's a pop culture writer, Bill Simmons, he used to be known as the sports guy, he had hyped this movie back in the late 90s, I think, he was doing a column on the most underrated movies of all time, and this is the one he put as number one, he kind of pulled it out of his butt, and he said, there's this teen movie from the early 80s that no one knows. I don't know anybody who's seen it but me. He's like, and it's just kind of this middling teen sex comedy for half the movie. And then halfway through, it does a turn. And it turns into a completely different movie. And he's like, and my jaw was just on the floor the first time I saw it. And so he, that's how he described it. That's how, again, how I would describe it. And that's how I'm imparting it to our listeners here. If you've never seen this movie, I want you to listen to us describe this plot. And your jaw will drop when you get to the end and you realize where they're going with it.
1: Right. I would almost say, just to not ruin it, if you haven't seen it, maybe watch it first. I mean, that's just my opinion. So, so you get the full effect seeing it. They might be mad at us you know, after seeing it, but, you know.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, they they could be mad at us for a couple of reasons. One, the ending is just, again, we'll we'll get to it. Number two is I'm not entirely sure this is a great movie overall. Like, what, do you think this is a good movie, a bad movie? How would you describe it? Just forget the ending, just as a movie. How would you describe this movie to people? Well, I was going to go
1: into that. My favorite types of movies are movies that no matter what genre it is, I typically like movies that make me feel good in some way, like laugh, even if it's not a comedy at all. If there's mm-hmm. something I can find funny about it, which there's plenty to laugh at in this for me, um, I, I like it. And uh, the first half, I know you're referring to, the first half's more the typical sex comedy of the time, and then things take a turn, as you say, and it's more like after school special. Mm-hmm. The la- latter half, um, I think the first half sets the second half up nicely, and I can go into that as well.
0: Okay, I am curious to hear that because. The way I describe this movie is, it's really two competing movies. They're trying to tell this gripping drama, and they're trying to tell this racy sex comedy, and they're kind of cramming these scenes back and forth together. And it really has a hard time establishing a singular tone. And that's my issue with it. I, I see. I, I will pull a uh, Gene Siskel here and say the complete opposite. I don't think it sets up the second half. I just think the second half is so fantastic that I can live with the comical first half, which there's good stuff and there's bad stuff, and. There's some embarrassing stuff in this movie as well. It's uh, we'll get to that as well. But yeah, so I, I don't think it works that well as a whole, but again, the ending of this is so magnificent. I don't think it even matters.
1: I would agree. And I agree. It, It can be a little clunky at times, but, and I'll I'll go into my reasons why I think it sets it up fairly nicely.
0: Yeah, and speaking of clunky, there's there's a couple things why I said I might not recommend this movie as a whole to all people. Again, it's really racy. It's really of its time, these teen sex comedies with, you know, sex and and just explicit stuff and breasts and boobs all over. I mean, all sorts of R-rated stuff you would have got in the early 80s that they probably wouldn't have in a movie like this nowadays. And this movie is particularly gleeful about it, just throwing the stuff left and right at the screen. So that's the thing, like, I'm not going to tell you to go sit down and watch this movie with your grandmother it's probably not going to go over well and the other thing i wanted to say is that the acting in this movie every time i watch it i cringe a little bit at some of the acting in it i just don't think it's especially good like the actors in it and there's one person in particular i will not mention their name but i do not think they are a particularly strong actor and they're in many scenes in this movie so we'll just leave it at that see some of that's
1: the funniest parts to me
0: <laughs> okay i mean that uh, yeah yeah, we're not, again, we're not talking about Gone with the Winds here. This is not a movie that ever won an Oscar or anything.
1: It enriches my life. That's all, that's all that matters to me.
0: It, it kept him company on many lonely nights. It did. <laughs> so, um, okay, one thing before we del- dive into this, the, the movie here and the plot is the argument I made earlier that this might be seen as the first modern teen movie. And I—that's not something I had thought of earlier. I, when I think of the teen movie genre that started in the '80s, I always think of there's one with uh, uh, what's his face, uh, Matt Dillon, called I think Over the Edge back in the late '70s. And then there's My Bodyguard from 1980, and then Fast Times, and then all the John Hughes movies, and then you know they just continue into the '90s. That's how I always kind of continue it, but I, I always—that's how I always consider it. But I've read the argument that this movie really kicked off. The teen movie genre this was the first one and then fast times kind of comes right after that and then we roll into the john hughes stuff so i mean if nothing else we're talking history here the last american virgin you can make the argument started that entire genre that's interesting i've never heard that before
1: and as we as we inferred um it was a little bit forgotten because i think fast times came out two weeks later ah so it was just you know here and, and gone that quickly
0: yeah, although you, you may know this better than I do. This is officially a remake of an Israeli movie, right? I was going to bring that up. Is this our first remake? That's your favorite topic. Oh, no. Oh, my God. I, I specifically said we'd never do a remake on Staff Picks. This is a remake, isn't it? It is. But and I guess you don't have to count it because the guy remade his own movie. That's true. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for making me feel better. I was about to pull the plug on this entire episode. We were going to send you home with your payment. <laughs> okay, so tell people a little about the history of this movie and what the original was and how, where it came from. Okay. Um I actually just
1: watched the original, the Israeli German production the other day. It's uh, it, uh Lemon Popsicle's the title, the uh, the translated title, and it came out in 1978. Um it uh it's based on the director's childhood. I'm not sure. If he was the main character, Gary, if he was the best friend, Rick, or if he was the the goofy sidekick, uh, David, the Big Apple. Mm -hmm. But um, so it was based on his childhood uh, growing up, and uh, it was very popular in the country, and it was a film series. I believe there was maybe seven total, Um, and initially his his goal coming to America to make it, he, he wanted to do a film series. And unfortunately, you know, Last American Virgin was a flop, so they never got to continue to do it. Um, and you know that's basically the history of the director coming to America to remake it it's nearly it's not shot for shot but it's pretty damn close and in fact some of the scenes that they go go to the locations look almost exactly the same but there's slight differences you could tell it's a different location but the way he sets it up it looks very similar it was bizarre watching both two days in a row
0: so I had no idea that like 1960s Israel was exactly like 1980s Los Angeles
1: well, the soundtrack's quite different. You hear a lot of Elvis, Little Richard, and uh, the version I watched, the subtitles were off, so there'd be an Elvis song playing with like Little Richard, the subtitles, like uh, Tootie Fruity on the screen while, while Elvis is playing. It was very bizarre. And I know The I know Last American Virgin so well that I didn't even need to really read the words. I could just watch the scenes and know what was going on.
0: Okay, yeah, I didn't realize it was that close to the same story. And I think I just read somewhere that when you know, what he had seven lemon popsicle movies or something.
1: I think it was seven total, yeah.
0: of which I've seen none. So I, I'm just I'm making stuff up here.
1: I didn't watch the sequel, so I don't know where I don't know where Gary's story goes after this.
0: Okay, <laughs> you know if. Gary, Gary is our, for people who haven't seen this movie, Gary is the hero of this movie, and bad things happen to him repeatedly. It is, if it's based on this guy's life, this guy had a shitty life. That's all I'm saying.
1: <laughs> well, who knows if he's Gary or Rick or David the Big Apple?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, he made seven of these Lemon Popsicle movies, and, and like you said, there were plans to make seven American movies, right? Like The Last American X. And I don't know why we start with Last American Virgin, that seems like a risky way to start the the series, but it just never <laughs> went anywhere, right?
1: Right, because it was a flop, and that was it.
0: Ah, too bad. We could add more adventures of Gary getting blue-balled. <laughs> <laughs> My balls got bluer just watching it. <laughs> okay, let's let's go into this movie, um, uh, Okay. So, The Last American Virgin is the story of a kid named Gary in 1981-82 Los Angeles. And he's played by Lawrence Monison, who was a very highly regarded actor at the time. And I actually think he's really good in this, despite the tone shifting around him. I think he's actually pretty strong in the movie. But it's a story of him. He's a pizza boy, much like a movie we just talked about, Lover Boy. Very excited to delve back into this trope.
1: I was going to make the comparisons, yeah especially the, it comes up later uh gary the pizza boy ends up going to a woman's house uh who wants to sleep with him and he, he brings his friends along unlike in Loverboy, it's not for money it's just for the experience but i'm wondering if lover boy took that from the last american virgin
0: yeah it probably did now that i think about it because obviously this would have been six seven years earlier but yeah that's the the pizza boy driving around and, and banging older women which again does sound very lover boy-esque Okay. So this guy, Gary, he's a pizza boy. He's just this typical kid in Los Angeles. And, uh, the story is about him and his two buddies and they're just, uh, high school kids. And like in many teen sex comedies, they're looking, walking around, looking for some tail, trying to get some action in high school. And this whole movie is the story of them trying to get action and all their misadventures and things failing. And that's uh, hence the title of the movie, *The Last American Virgin*. It just doesn't really work out for Gary. He's a he's a habitual virgin, as we would call him. But there's a subplot, and we'll get to that in a second. Am I, am I forgetting anything else about the the setup of this movie? Uh. Just the beginning. Uh, you meet
1: Gary. You meet his his uh, chubby friend David, aka the Big Apple, which is his nickname. That's only uttered once in the whole movie, and then it's dropped pretty quickly. But I will never forget it, and I'll always use it. Um, and then you meet uh, Rick, who's basically the leader of their trio. He's the good-looking guy, played by Steve Anton. From uh, mostly people know him from The Goonies as the bully Troy, <laughs> who I wish was in there longer.
0: I, I we got to talk about Steve Anton for a second here. Uh, okay, so, the, yeah, the me, the three main guys, you got the, the nerdy guy, Gary, you got the, the cool, hip, Rick, the stud, and then their chubby sidekick, uh, David, who, he's, he's all the comic relief in the movie, but the cool guy in the middle, Steve Anton, he's, you know, Mr., Mr. Popular, Mr. Suave with the ladies, he's forever scoring with girls, he's like, gets the most sex in this movie out of anybody, and, Again, people may know him from the Goonies. He's Troy Perkins, the bad guy, the the horrible villain in that one. Steve Anton, I, I remember reading this at the time was like he was well known in Hollywood that he was like like the boy toy of many famous directors in Hollywood like they would they had this guy they kept him around cuz he was so good looking and they he was like their little uh arm candy and he'd kind of get passed around. He dated like every famous director in Hollywood. He was very very well known for being the kind of this gay boy toy at the time. So to see him as the ultimate playboy in this movie scoring women left and right is it's a fun little uh, depth of comedy to the movie that he, he makes you appreciate that one. I agree,
1: but it, I think it comes off believable. Uh, you know, I want to be like Rick, who doesn't?
0: <laughs> yeah Rick is like Mr. Cool like it's almost he's so believable in this I can't like I can't believe that he was like the Hollywood boy toy that that's the same guy but yeah this is Steve Anton's big role again most people know him from the Goonies but he's really just the last American version guy they put in the Goonies later right And I, yeah I'd argue he's a pretty strong character he does pretty well that most of the leads in this movie not to <laughs> belabor my earlier point most of them are very good there's one that I do not think is good and I know, I feel like I know who you're talking about
1: You know, I just won't mention any names. It'll be interesting to try to get around that.
0: (laughs) I'm sure it'll come up at some point. So anyway, these are the three guys, and they're just running around um, trying to score with women and just, you know, doing high school boy things. And the movie opens with them at a pizza place at, like, this hangout. I don't know what. They have, like, ice cream and pizza and video games. It's like a malt shop or something.
1: Yeah, man. 80s kids were crazy, you know? They did some crazy
0: stuff. Yeah, we had the best stuff. That was awesome. So you just go there, and you get fries and hang out with your friends, and they'd have the latest rock music playing on the intercom. So that's the hangout where these three guys meet. And right at the start, they're trying to pick up these three girls. There's these three girls in the, in like a, the booth over next to them, and Rick, the, the hip guy, is trying to hit on them and, and invite them over to go to a party. And this is right at the start of the movie where Gary, the nerdy guy, in between him and his buddies trying to pick up these girls, he walks up to the front counter, the ice cream counter that they have, and he sees his dream girl. This is he gets the stars and his drive cuz there's a new girl there he's never seen in town before. Her name is Karen, played by Diane Franklin, and he immediately is smitten. And this is literally 30 seconds into the movie he sees his dream girl and his life changes.
1: Right. I love I love that scene. I love the the, the first time he sees her. I believe she's ordering ice cream. She orders a rocky road. And uh, he's just so out of it that he goes up to order and he orders the same thing. You can tell he's just not even there. He's just focused on her. He ends up ordering the same thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, this will be the dichotomy of this movie, the bipolarness, if you will, the story of Gary smitten with Karen, really trying to get to know her and really loves her, and he and his buddies out having sex with every other girl in town at the same time. So, like I said, it's a very odd tone, and we'll forget about Karen for a second. Gary sees her, and he falls in love, and then he goes back to his buddies, and now we get a big, long, extended 20-minute scene in the movie of the three guys trying to pick up these three girls. (laughs) Right, and the one thing about Rick, even though he is Mr. Cool, one thing I noticed about him
1: in, in my rewatches, he hardly ever makes a move. He sends he sends his cronies to do it. He got David, the, the fat kid, to go get the girls. <laughs> and then he and then he convinces Gary, he puts it on Gary, this poor little nerdy Gary to make up a story to get them back to their house for a party. Rick does nothing. And he re, he reaps all the benefits and it, it's bullshit. <laughs>
0: So that's how you want to do it when you want to approach the girls. You send in the fat kid first. There you go. <laughs> he's your first line of attack. <laughs> Rick's the man. <laughs> yeah. So Rick and Gary and David convince these three girls. And Rick's looking over and he's like, oh, look at them. Look at their body language. They're easy lays. I can just tell. And, of course, Rick. Gary yeah, would rather screw
1: Godzilla than them, apparently.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, So. They invite them over to sit with them at the bar, and eventually the boys, the guys start lying and say, hey, come over to our, we got a house tonight, there's gonna be a big party, we got everything, and the girls are like, oh, really? Like, are there gonna be a lot of people there, all the cool people in town? And Rick's like, yeah, come on over, and and then there, there's a promise of drugs at some point. (laughs) <laughs> the girls want drugs, so they're just lying their asses off trying to get these girls over to their house. And we all go back to Gary's house, and Gary's parents are away, and we're going to get a little American Pie action here of embarrassing thing happening to the kids as they're having sex. But what, what, what are your favorite moments of this sex scene? This is a very long, extended scene, and uh, there's some actually some really funny parts. This is one of my favorite scenes in the movie with the three girls. Just in general, especially the three girls. You got kind of the. The one who's really hot to trot out for action, Roxanne, I think her name is.
1: Yeah, and she's... Rick claims her, of course.
0: Yeah, Rick, of course, claims her. Then you got the hot, blonde, ditzy one who goes with the fat guy. I don't know how he gets her. And then you got (laughs) my favorite. My favorite is the awkward, kind of chunky girl with the glasses, Millie, who wants nothing to do with any of these guys. She's the
1: best. Gary gets stuck with her. And she just doesn't care. Mario. She just doesn't care. (laughs)
0: All right. Explain to people kind of the scene set it, set it up. So maybe if they've never seen it, that you walk them through this, a uh, early eighties sex romp scene.
2: Are you ready for the sex girls? The hot, hot, mean hot, big, hot
1: girls. Okay. So Rick does no work. The girls come to the house anyway. Uh, you know, then there's, th- there's three of them and three of them. And, you know, uh, they're wondering where the drugs are, and Rick passes the buck to David. Of course, then David passes the buck to Gary, who has to go, eventually go and get the get the drugs from the kitchen, which ends up being sweet and low. But uh, prior to that, so they're they're separated. Rick takes the really hot one into one room. David with the, the blonde one in the other, and Gary's left with the, the a little bit overweight, nerdy one, <laughs> and uh, she just has wants nothing to do with anything. She just was dragged along. All she wants is drugs. For being, a, for being a nerd, she's, I guess she's pretty cool for wanting drugs, huh? And you know, you know Gary's trying to make small talk and dance with her. And her favorite line, I, I don't care, no matter what he says. I really don't care, Gary. I'm just here. I just don't care.
0: <laughs> she's a nihilist. He's picked up a nihilist. Yes.
1: <laughs> she's going to cut off Gary's Johnson in a minute.
0: Yes, but this, this one scene, again, it's, it's, it's really funny, but Millie is my favorite. The actress who plays her, I don't even know her name. I don't know her from any other movie. But she's got these eyes. She acts with her eyes. She just looks around the room and it's clear she's not interested in anything. And there's a wonderful scene where Gary kind of sits up next to her and puts his arm around her and her eyes just kind of lower and look at his hand and just stop. And it's so awkward. It's just he, he's trying to make out with her and take off her bra, and she's like eating chips. She's so disinterested in this whole process. Just a wonderful scene. but then we're gonna move to the bedroom where we get Rick. Of course, hits on he and Roxanne. They uh, he hits it. They they get they get it on. And then the fat kid David goes outside. The blonde will not undress in front of him, so he goes outside and has to wait. She's like count to a hundred, and I'll be undressed. And unfortunately, in the time he's counting to 100, Rick's or Gary's parents come home. <laughs> yes. And then everybody
1: escapes. They, they catch everybody. There's a lot of uh, boobs flying everywhere gratuitously.
2: <laughs> Are you ready for the sex girls? The hot, hot, mean, hot, big, hot
1: girls. And so they escape. And David, uh, the Big Apple, is still out on the, on the porch, on the patio waiting to come in and have sex with the blonde girl. And then uh, the, the parents finally calm down. The mom is relaxing in bed. David sneaks into bed with the mom, and hilarity ensues. A shoe gets taken off, and David gets beaten with it and runs out.
0: Yeah. Again, in my opinion, this is the funniest scene in the movie. I love this scene. It's really well done. Very gratuitous boob action going on. And again, Millie. Again, I have no idea who this actress is. If you're listening to this, I love you. You are the fav- my favorite person in this movie. You're so funny. So <laughs> Millie does not get any action. Although, like you said, Millie is the one who wants the drugs. So maybe a little, <laughs> maybe not, not the most carefully thought out character from a screenwriting process. <laughs> she's she's there to party. <laughs> Okay, so the first attempt at sex does not go well. Although, as we will see per the pattern, Rick scores and nobody else does. Yeah, David was there.
1: He's my personal MVP of the movie. (laughs) He's he's so confident. He's got swagger.
0: Yeah, David's strong. I like David. David's funny. He is. All right, so we cut to the next day. And again, we're a teen sex comedy. So, of course, the next scene is the kids in PE class where, for some reason, they have an impromptu dick measuring contest. (laughs)
1: Right, I've I've heard of dick measuring contests between guys, yeah. trying to one up each other. But this is the most literal thing I've ever seen.
0: Oh, yeah, no, I mean, in the '80s, we used to do this constantly. So many dick measuring contests in the locker room, it was crazy. I hope you won some. <laughs>
1: yeah, you you have you have this character, and one of the, another one of the boys who wants to be friends with the trio. Kind of, he's just kind of on his own. The typical nerdy guy. There's a, it's, he's a young Fred Armisen in my mind. <laughs> yes, Victor. Victor. And, uh, He's caught peeping on the um on the girls, very similar to Porky's. There's there's a peephole and the guys come in and call him peeping Tom and uh they, they, they claim he has a small penis and he, he he says that you wish you had what I had and then the dick measuring contest uh comes up for money. Uh whoever has the longest tool wins the pool.
0: <laughs> yeah. Again, a scene you would only see in an early 80s sex comedy. Again, no teachers around, no... This is like PE class, and they literally have like 45 minutes on their own to just measure each other's johnsons. <laughs> Mario, I have a question for you. Yes, please ask me about the 80s, child. Yes. How did they get erect so quickly? Uh, All of them. I don't know. Um maybe the drugs maybe someone brought some sweet and low. I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, there was, I don't want to delve too much into this, but yeah, there is some, some, uh, <laughs> there are some topics here that they that, that raise obvious questions, how immediately everyone's erect in the locker room and measuring each other. <laughs> All right. Let's get past that. Let's get past that. Okay. Fast forward. In fact, never show that again. Never show that again. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, As we bounce back and forth between the sex comedy and the romantic comedy, now we have the scene where Gary is at lunch, and he sees Karen, the dream girl, again. And again, I can't get over how cute Diane Franklin was at that point in her career. I had a huge crush on her at the time. She was one of my favorite crush girls, and this is like her big movie, and Gary sees her over there talking, and she's like the new girl in town, and she already has like ten friends. I don't know how that... That must be a hot girl privilege. I'm not sure how that works. (laughs)
1: Right, and this is where the movie, well, it's still acting as a sex comedy, mm-hmm. and we did we did see Karen at the beginning. She's back, and she's going to be pretty regularly in the movie at this point.
0: Yeah, yeah, she will be a major character, and like Gary sees her, and he wants to know where is this girl from, like who, where does she live, who is she? He's like instantly smitten, and again, if you saw Diane Franklin in '82 and you were a guy, you'd probably feel the same way. So. Right. He pulls the classic stalker move. He drives around and finds her house because she has like this little moped that she rides and he sees it. So he goes out and he immediately, right out of the Goonies, he unscrews her tires and lets all the air out so she can't go anywhere. Right. I was going to bring this up. He, first,
1: he asked David because, of course, David has all the answers if he could find her address. So David has connections and he gets the address. And like you said, he goes to the, he goes to the house, flattens her bike, a little creepy, I think it's pretty fitting that we, we covered Black Christmas and now we're covering this. It's about stalkers, apparently. <laughs> yes. And, uh, you know, and then he, he, he comes up and, you know, and he says, you know, uh, what's the trouble, ma'am? Basically. And, and you know, she, um, she explains and then he offers her a ride to work. And this is one of my favorite. You know, I think you mentioned those bad acting scenes. Mm-hmm. This is one of my favorites. The delivery
0: between them? Oh, it's just terrible. Yeah, their banter is like, who wrote this script? Like, I, I can't even 100% blame the actors. The dialogue is just terrible, and the timing is terrible. It's great. I,
1: f- I forget the exact quote, but he's like, uh, uh, be my guest. And she's like, well, well, thank you. <laughs> and, and so she gets in the car with him, and this is the most softcore flirting I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Uh, and, and le- unless the fact that he offers her a big meatball sandwich is a euphemism. <laughs> Then it's the most softcore thing I've ever seen. Yeah.
0: Um, I remember reading a bad uh, screenwriting thing that talks about the lessons of bad screenwriting. And they always say, you can always tell a person doesn't know how to write dialogue when they have the characters saying each other's names to each other all the time. And this scene is one of the worst. I was like, how are you doing, Karen? Oh, I'm fine, Gary. Gary, where are you driving me? Oh, Karen, let's go to school. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's so good. This is the stuff I love. I know it sounds like we're trashing it, but I... I love it.
0: Well, because they're so sweet and they have good chemistry together. That's the thing. Like, and you really, Lawrence Monson is so likable and, and Diane Franklin is so likable. You really want these two kids to hook up.
1: Right. And then, so they get to school and, you know, he, he straight out asks, do you have a boyfriend? And she says, no, and walks off. And right then, first time I watched this, this was years ago, I had not the best vibes from Karen
0: at that point. Mm -hmm. All right. So you could sense evil already. I could. I saw the little horns. (laughs) You're a paladin, if we're Dungeons and Dragons here. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, Karen walks off, and like you said, Gary has asked her out, and she says, no, I can't. I'm busy tonight. And so later that night, we go to the party. This is the party Gary was going to ask her to. And Gary's there dancing around, and lo and behold, he sees Karen, his dream girl, his crush. And here it goes, the first of many soul-crushing moments in this movie. Not only is Karen at the party, Karen is already with another guy, and she's dancing, and she's having a good time, and she's really enjoying herself. And who might that be is she dancing with?
1: Rick, of all people. Who knew?
0: Oh, Gary's best friend Rick has already claimed
1: her. And they're dancing, and the 80s was a colorful time. The party looks like a bag
0: of Skittles to me. <laughs> it does. You know what party is off the chain when they have balloons in the pool? It's crazy. You have oh, yeah. the balloons. I love the line from David after all the,
1: the you know the drama Gary goes up to Karen and uh and Rick and she's like oh hi Gary and Rick's like oh you guys met he's like yeah you could say that in his little creepy stalkerish way and then David cuts in and says uh, all right let's cut the shit let's get serious whatever that means I just loved it easy <laughs> it's time to party for real seriously
0: yeah, so anyway, this is a very wild, racy comedy, but there's some really serious, heartfelt undertones, and we're going to get to this at the end of the movie, where have you ever had this happen, Michael, in high school or when you were younger? You have a crush on a girl, and she hooks up with your friend, your best friend or something. Like, I literally did have that happen, and it was like the worst experience in my life that I had to watch them walk around and make out every day.
1: I That never happened to me. I was... I was probably a mix between David and Gary. I definitely wasn't Rick, but I never personally had that happen to me. Uh, that's, are you triggered by this movie then?
0: It's terrible. I remember that. It was the first girl I ever had a crush on, and I was like getting ready to ask her out. It was like the first girl I was ever going to talk to. I'm like 14, 15, and literally within a week, I noticed my friend is dating her. I'm like, are you kidding me? And so I had to sit there and watch them walk around and make out all the time. It was the worst feeling in the world. So this movie, like, I know that that's not a universal feeling just to me, just this whole movie, is is just Gary pining. And this scene in particular of him just watching Rick and Karen making out and dancing and, like, slow dancing and cuddling up. It's like you just see the pain in his eyes. It's horrible. It does trigger me.
1: Yeah. And, he, you know, he pretty much immediately gets drunk. I forget what he – I think he might have – Uh, whiskey Mm
0: -hmm. looks like uh, jack daniels
1: jack daniels and he you know walking around uh tries to flirt with karen a little bit and she's just kind of brushing him off you know and then and then and uh he has gary has a little bit of a freak out and you know rick pretty much wants him gone from the party and uh so david takes him and you know uh they say they say kids are soft these days but back then man letting your friend drive drunk (laughs) it was okay in the movie (laughs) i miss those days
0: I was just going to mention that, yeah, The Rick, uh, Gary gets so drunk at this party, he's just staggering around and he's incoherent. And so this is what you do in the early 80s. If your friend is drunk, you would usher him to his car and let him drive home. What a guy. I love David. <laughs> the Big Apple coming through. Yes. <laughs> So Gary drives home and his life is ruined. His dream girl is now hooked up with his friend, Rick, who nails every girl who walks. And it's just going to be all over. And Gary goes home and is like, his parents are having like a PTA meeting. And Gary staggers in drunk and like hits on one of the old women there, which is a proud moment in Gary's life.
1: Yeah, I forget her name. Uh, Mrs. Roswell. That's it. (laughs) Yes. He starts creepily pointing at her and then all the adults just kind of laugh at him and kick him out. So even, even, even the adults in his world think he's pathetic.
0: Yeah. All the adults in his world would rather score with Rick. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So so we're going to bounce. So Gary, the next day in math class, you see him daydreaming, he's daydreaming of Karen. This is all he can think about. And he's like drawing little hearts and writing Gary plus Karen. So again, it's this kid in his first experience with love and, I'm just going to spoil it for you. It's going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. So don't get attached to Gary here. Right. And
1: we're slowly creeping up on the turn on the switch in this movie when it gets really seriously. But there's a little bit more of the typical Porky's esque sex comedy stuff that happens first.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Why don't you mention? Why don't you explain to people who Carmela is?
2: Are you ready for the sex girls? (laughs)
1: <laughs> Carmela. That's where the lover boy connection come, comes in. Gary, as we said, as a pizza boy, he's delivering pizza uh, to a random to a random house, and it's a woman named Carmela, and she, I think I forget what he drops her drinks. She orders beer as well from the pizza place, and he goes to pick it up, and she's very flirty with him, and Gary, uh, being sexually mature as he is, he he gets he gets scared, runs off. And decides to bring his friends back with him uh, for a a little four-way tryst. That's a big move, yeah. (laughs) Right, right. Let me go get my friends first. I'm scared.
0: this woman is openly ready to mount him right there and she's played by i forget her name she's like a famous stripper or adult actress who they throw in this movie and she's all over gary and she's got these huge breasts and it's like she's ready to you know have sex with him right there in the kitchen floor and he's like wait let me go get my friends
1: he, <laughs> so, he gets
0: david and rick
1: because yeah. despite being mad at rick he's you know he still wants to uh Carmella teaches boys how to share. That's the lesson I picked up.
0: Well, that's what I was saying about this tone of this movie just bouncing back and forth. Because literally in the last scene, Gary is angry at Rick and so mad that Rick is madly in love with Karen. And now Rick is outscoring with Carmella, and Gary and Rick are best friends. So that's what I mean. It really doesn't match the tones here. I
1: agree, and it doesn't bother me one
0: bit. Okay. So here we have a long, extended scene with these... Three boys, teenage boys, all having sex with Carmela, the the lusty Mexican uh, tart, I guess would be a good word to describe her. She's calling them like my muchachos and my big burrito, and she, she bangs Rick, of course, because Rick goes first, and then they send in the fat guy, David, and we are treated to a wonderfully erotic scene of David bouncing around on top of her naked. I'll never get that out of my head. Oh, my God. Think Chunk from The Goonies in a sex scene, and that's really what we're watching here. It's not pleasant.
2: I got it. I got it. I got it. I don't got it. You
1: clutch <laughs> But do you notice? I believe Dave, David. Uh, I'm sorry, Gary sends them in first. Yes. That's that's one of the things in this movie that I didn't I didn't pick up on my first couple views. It's like he's scared.
0: He's not confident with women, either that or he's saving himself for Karen, but only saving himself so much to the point that he'd be third to bang Carmella.
1: Yeah. And then but the, and then, of course, he never gets to do it because her her sailor husband comes home from the sea <laughs> and, uh, and and catches them. And of course, David's left behind because that's his, that's what he's there for. He left behind and attacked.
0: <laughs> yeah, David or Gary. Gary, again, the only one not to have sex. Even the fat guy, even the big apple has lost his virginity here, but not Gary. So Gary is now 0 for 2. He still has not had any. And uh, this this is a fun scene, too. And now we get the, where they're going to start twisting the proverbial knife into Gary's sanity, where they start asking him out on double dates where Karen and Rick say, hey, we're in love. We need someone to go with us. I have this awkward, ugly friend, Rose. She would love to go out with you, Gary. Why don't you double date with us? So now we got these double date scenes where Gary has to sit there with this girl who's annoying he doesn't like, and literally in the backseat is Girls making out with his friend. Again, just I would not have done that in high school. That seems like a very cruel trick to play. But again, Gary will face many humiliations in this movie.
1: Right. But he does it because what else has he got going on? (laughs) unless he wants to hang out with david
0: okay so the movie's about to make a turn we're very close to the turn where it's going to go from screwball sex comedy to absolute heart ripping out misery where uh there's a what's the the scene here where rick finally says you know i've been dating karen a while tonight's the night we're gonna do it gary and gary's like no please don't do that (laughs) please please do not bang my dream girl i i can't have that on my psyche and Rick's like, no, we're in love tonight and we're gonna do it. I need the key to your grandma's house. Apparently Gary has a grandma who died a while back and they have a, a sex pad over there that they can go into the house anytime they want. And Gary won't do it. He's like, No, I I I lost the key. I can't give it to you. And Rick's like, Come on, man, I need it. And Gary does everything he can to cock block here. Uh so he's doing his best. Right. At it's at this point, Gary,
1: I mean, Gary's not perfect. He like we said, he's a little bit of a stalkerish you know he doesn't know. You know he can't handle women. He's just inexperienced. Mm-hmm. And at this point, when he finds out that Rick's planning on sleeping with Karen that night, he kind of acts like a. He's manipulative a little bit mm-hmm. to Rick, and he he gets Rick to break his date with a promise of a of a prostitute because it's you know why wouldn't you choose a prostitute over the over the hot girl in school? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, like he he acts like the tough guy all of a sudden. Gary, he's like you've been hanging out with Karen. You know you're a pussy. Come with us you know, be a man, and, uh, Rick, you know, Rick can't help himself, Rick goes with Gary and David.
0: Yeah, Rick is, we will learn throughout the rest of this movie, Rick is kind of an asshole. He literally, yeah, he stands up, Karen, Karen, who is in love with him, Karen is pining for him, and she's agreed to sleep with him tonight, he breaks the date so they can go out and pick up a hooker, so Rick is not going to do nice things, he will do further less nice things later, but yeah, for now, the boys go out, they pick up a hooker, and, uh, it's not entire. I think Gary actually does lose his virginity here, so we can't really claim him. He's a virgin after here. But what the long, the long and the short of it is, all the boys end up with crabs. Right. And and after Gary
1: does it, he actually goes first, and uh, finally he gets this thing that he's been kind of craving and kind of scared of. And his first reaction is to puke. <laughs> it, it, it's like he doesn't know what to do at this point. Like he's he's, he's probably sad that, that this is how it happened. It's just another nail in his coffin, essentially.
0: Well, it's kind of like American Pie, because in American Pie, they all have sex, and they all realize it wasn't that big a deal. It's like, why were we pining over that? So that's Gary's here. He's finally had his magic moment with ruby the syphilitic hooker oh. yeah, he gets crabs and vomits. so gary's future is not looking very bright and there's a long extended scene here where the boys all have crabs from this disgusting hooker and they like they're trying to to uh drown them in the pool and then there's an awkward scene where they have to go to the drugstore and get crab le- or crab medicine and kill them so yeah just this is really the last comic scene in this movie right here
1: yeah and then it quickly takes a turn
0: yeah, and then luckily, Rick, uh, Rick cures his crabs. The evil manipulative Rick cures his crabs, and Karen forgives him for breaking their date, and they make up and they get back together. And this is where the movie is about to make the turn. And again, it's not a turn you would expect. This is not, there's no way you could predict the ending of this movie from the start of it. But here it is, right here. It's an entirely different movie from this point on.
1: Yeah, and I believe the scene is uh, they're back at the pizza place. Gary shows up. David's there with uh, Fred Armisen, a.k.a. Victor. And, uh, you know, Gary's asking David, where's Karen? Where's Rick? And David knows. He's smart enough to know how how Gary feels about Karen. So he's trying to play it off. Oh, I don't know where they are. And Victor opens his mouth and says "They're at the football field, Rick's going to pop her cherry tonight.
0: Yeah, and like I said, this is the – how the movie will beat you over the head with the literal interpretation of the words is Gary finds out Karen and Rick, they're going to lose their virginity. She's going to lose her virginity to Rick that night. They've gone out to the football field, and Gary races out there. He wants to stop them. Again, this is his dream girl. He cannot let Rick be the one that's sully her because he knows Rick's an, Rick is an asshole. And the whole time, it's Lionel Richie and the Commodores playing, oh, no, <laughs> just like it's a wonderful song and it's so literal to the scene where gary is heartbroken as he drives out there and he literally like he's under the bleachers as karen and rick have sex you see them very gratuitous shot of diane franklin pulling her shirt off and them having sex and gary's literally like right under them in the bleachers listening to it a little creepy that's okay
1: (laughs) we gotta feel bad for gary
0: yeah we're gonna need a whole team of psychologists at this point for poor gary (laughs)
1: And then there's the scene. He so he's back at the pizza place, and or
0: no, wait. Gary doesn't. He he's not under there, is he? Like he doesn't know that they. He is. He's right there. He's underneath the bleachers. He knows they're up in the the little uh, the announcer booth having sex, and he can hear them. And he goes back to the to the uh, pizza shop and waits for them to come back. He knows that Rick will come back to announce his triumph. But then, but then he
1: claims that Rick is lying when when he when he um says that uh. That's, I was going to go into that. I love the look on Rick's face when he announces what he did. I fucked Karen. The, the glee on his face makes me laugh. He's just so oblivious. It's so good.
0: He's so excited because, I mean, that's the teenage boy mentality. I won. I did it. I'm the first one who nailed the new girl. Yeah, and when he first walks in, there's a bit of,
1: bit of an exchange that, again, I find funny. Uh, Rick, It just shows Rick being oblivious again. Uh, you know, Gary asks where he's been. He's like, I was at the football field by yourself?
0: No, with Karen. She's right over there. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the exact line? I think I have it here. I was the first one to get to Miss Thing over there. <laughs> Yeah, so Gary just snaps, and they have an argument, and just, uh, Rick can't believe, why would my friend not be happy that I nailed this hot girl? He doesn't realize that Gary's been pining for her. So again, it's been this love triangle all along, that Gary's pining for Karen, Karen got nailed by Rick, Karen is in love with Rick, she thinks he's the greatest thing ever, and it's all going to come to a head, because literally, and this is, it's, it, I'm, I'm warning you right now, there's tough scenes to watch in this movie, and it all kind of starts right here, where the next day in school... Or I guess it's probably a little, a couple of weeks later in school, but it's we're not meant to know when. But Rick has had sex with Karen, and what does the creep do after having sex with the girl? He dumps her. Yeah,
1: Gary has to watch and is wondering what's going on. She seems very upset. And then back in, she, he follows her out of the hallway and finds out that she's pregnant.
0: Yeah, that's why this couldn't be the next day. It's probably a couple of weeks, I don't know how long. But yeah, Karen has in theory, announced to Rick, you know, we had sex, and I'm pregnant, and I'm kind of scared, I don't know what to do, and Rick has dumped her over this, and it's funny, we'll see a very similar scene in Fast Times, which came out six days later, but uh, yeah, so Karen is is distraught, she's, this guy had his way with her, she had sex, she gave herself up to him, now she's pregnant, and he dumps her, he wants nothing to do it, and she's crying by his, her locker, and this is where we get Gary's love theme, what, which song do they play every time Gary's about to, to meet up with Karen and do something for her? Is that uh, Just Once? No, this is Open Arms by Journey. Open Arms, yes, by
1: Journey. So, the
0: locker scene. Explain the locker scene here.
1: Uh, uh, the, uh this is a you know pretty sad scene you know he goes up she's crying he he she finally says um well before that uh you know she all she she's very noncommittal. she just says it's over between us, so it doesn't matter and there's the line from Gary that I love again showing that he's just clueless she says it's over between us, so it doesn't matter and he says, so why are you crying then like like she didn't just get broken up with he's just he's <laughs> clueless he doesn't know what he's doing and then she, and then she admits he's she's pregnant. And he immediately just goes into uh, apologetic mode, saying it's going to be okay. I'll take care of it. I'll be your knight in shining armor, essentially, um, and tries to be the good guy, which you can argue there's those guys that do the good thing that expect something mm-hmm. from the girl. You know, he, he can go either way, whether he's genuinely trying to be nice or he's this is his way in. The best way he knows how to try to get in with, with Karen.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could make that argument. I could see that, that he's expecting something. But I think they've painted the picture through this movie that he's a very sensitive guy, and he really just absolutely is enamored with this girl, and he wants to help her and do the right thing. So he, I I would, I mean, you can make the argument he's just doing it to get something. But I think he's just a really nice guy, and he wants to step in. And I think that's driven home in the next scene where... Gary goes up to confront Rick, you know, his former best friend, and they almost come to a fight in the library because Gary, because Rick has dissed Karen and disrespected her. And Rick even starts saying, you know, she was a slut, she sleeps with every guy in the school, you know, I wasn't the first, and Gary's like, you take that back, you take that back, she's a nice person, and they almost get to blows. So Gary is willing to throw away the friendship over Karen's honor, that Karen has really been disrespected here.
1: Yeah, and this is another one of those scenes with the acting that I just love from Steve Steve and Rick, and you know, he's getting pissed. He's like, You're mad that I did it first. You know, he finally realizes up until this point, he was pretty oblivious. You can almost say Rick wasn't necessarily a bad guy. Mm -hmm. There was this scene where, um, when when Gary's baiting him, Oh, you're hanging out with Karen too much, come with this prostitute with us. And he's like, I thought you guys were my friends. Like, he, he, you know, he's pretty oblivious, he's just stupid. Uh, you know, and then with the thing with Karen, then he goes full heel by breaking uh breaking it off with Karen and he realizes that Gary is jealous and Rick doesn't care. He's gonna go in full asshole mode. And uh the delivery is great. They're they're you know they're about to fight, fist fight and the crowd comes in, breaks them up. And he's like, Anytime pizza boy, anytime man.
0: You're gonna regret this, Gary man. You'll regret this. No, I'm suddenly realizing why the Goonies didn't want to ride up Troy's bucket. <laughs> yes. Gary, you cootie! <laughs> so so anyway, what's going to happen is Gary is going to embark on the sweetest, most noble thing here. Is there's a Christmas trip coming up. All these kids are going on a ski trip, and Rick is going, and everyone's invited. And Gary and Karen kind of work out a plan that he's going to help her get an abortion, and he's going to look after her and take care of her during the ski trip, and no one's going to know. They're going to stay behind. All the parents are going to think they're away. And so what happens is the scene where Gary brings Karen to his grandma's house. Remember, at the start of the movie, he had the keys to his dead grandma's house. He brings her there. He sets up a little bed for her. And just in a little detail that, that almost makes me cry, he makes, brings a little Christmas tree so she can celebrate Christmas in this little house by herself while she's recovering.
1: Yeah, and he has oranges randomly. You can tell he just, like, bought on the side of the road. This is his big move. This is, his, this is the best he has.
0: It's his inn, yeah, and we see we see the rest of the school all going on in the ski trip, and there's a nice touch of Rick already making out with a new girl in the backseat as they're driving away. Yeah, he's forgotten Karen already. He's forgotten, yeah. So Karen has been left behind, and... And, uh, yeah, Karen is just despondent at this point. She has to have an abortion. She doesn't know what to do. She's scared. And Gary looks after her, and there's a really touching scene, which might be the first abortion ever shown in a movie. I'd, I'd be curious about this, trivia-wise.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. Like I said, two weeks later, there was Fast pastimes, um, unless, you count, unless you count Lemon Popsicle, because it's there, too.
0: Okay, they do that, and then Lemon Biden know that. It's even more—it's it, nearly a shot-for-shot
1: movie and it's it's even more clinical and it's drawn out there's no i don't know if there's any music involved mm-hmm. and she's there and it's very descriptive when she you know with her sitting in the chair and it's an old man and there's no witnesses so that's a little creepy <laughs> um but, you know she's there by herself with this old man it's not a woman there's no other witnesses yeah i don't know
0: <laughs> israel was a lawless place yeah <laughs> yes well, yeah. Okay. So in this version, Karen goes to the doctor and it's like an old woman at the free clinic. And she basically like slut shames Karen. Like, well, you know, you could have thought about this before you had sex, Missy. And I don't know why you thought it was worth it. And she's like making her cry. And Karen just goes through this trauma of just being embarrassed. And then uh, the abortion's going to cost $250. And Gary... Basically, goes and sells his stereo. He sells everything he has. He gets an advance from his boss. He just does everything he can so he can pay for this abortion and help Karen out and kind of walk her through this whole procedure. and And the abortion in scene in particular is very traumatic. It like like you said, it's very clinical, and you see it from Karen's eyes, and she's just scared and all these, you know unfeeling, cold people around her and these cold pieces of metal being pushed into her. And it's just kind of an awkward scene for a teen sex comedy. You're not expecting this. Yeah, it's hard to watch. So... Karen has the abortion and it takes her a couple of days to recover. So Gary, of course, the nice guy that he is, brings her back to his grandma's pad and he looks after her and he like feeds her. He makes her breakfast. And again, he makes, he's a little, there's a little Christmas. They have a little Christmas together and it's his nice moment that he's finally bonding with her like friends. It's like they don't, they don't hook up. They're not romantic. It's just really just him looking after her and helping her out. And, and it's a very nice stretch of the movie. And, uh, anything I'm forgetting here that I, about during this scene? Um, just up until this point, like he's just
1: been pining over her, like we've said, and he doesn't really know her. Like, yeah. like you know, it's just been from afar, you know, his dream girl. He doesn't really know who she is. And she doesn't offer much to him in terms when she speaks to him. So, you know, it's a little awkward. It's you know, it's it's kinda cute, kinda sad at the same time what he's trying to do. Um it's it's the best he has.
0: Yeah, although there's there's one scene in particular where where they're like sitting there at breakfast and like you said, they're still They're still kind of awkward. It's not like she appreciates what he's done, but they're not like romantic or anything. She's just, you know, they're just talking. And Gary kind of says, you know, everybody's away on this ski trip. And, you know, I bet they're having fun. And Gary, as teen boys do, very delicately says, is there anybody you miss on that trip? (laughs)
1: Right. And it's hard. This is her the whole movie when she speaks to Gary. She's like, why do you ask? Yeah. (laughs) You know why? Like, does she know or does she not know Is she just vapid or is she just trying to be coy? I don't know. It's like it's like that the whole movie with Karen and, and Gary.
0: Why do you ask that, Gary? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just put it the put the name in there. But yeah, she she <laughs> seems to have no idea why he's asking, and he's like, Well, you know, just anything. Just I just was curious and she's like, No, I I've kinda moved on, I don't really care about anyone on that trip. And so he's still feeling. Do you still have feelings for Rick? And she admits, No, I don't know, I don't care about anybody on that trip. So Gary knows there's a chance. You're telling me, the dumb and dumber rule. You're telling me there's a chance. Yes. <laughs>
1: and uh you know finally this you know the scene goes on they're still there she finally like breaks down and says thank you for what you did no one else would do that for me mm-hmm. uh you were here for me and he finally can't help himself he admits that he loves her and you know in the moment she's she seems shocked i don't know why she would be but she seems shocked and she she kisses him she she, she finally gives into him gary gets what he want, wants once and and the look on his face after, like he kisses her and, and they're hugging, it's like just pure bliss. Mm-hmm. More, maybe more so than I've ever seen in in a movie like this. It's a very believable uh, performance from him. Uh, finally, he gets what he wants.
0: Yeah, and right there, that's the it's the uh, tribute to any nerd in high school who ever loved a girl and never ever had a chance and never ever she ever even realized that he liked her like you this is the one moment you see in gary's eyes and anybody who was ever a awkward guy in high school or even an awkward girl in high school had a crush on a boy i'm sure you can relate to the scene it finally happened the one time the good guy actually won over the rogue and the scoundrel and like gary kisses her and like like you said it's a very sweet scene and i think it's very well done and they play open arms again by journey the gary love theme and, uh, yeah, so Gary is on top of the world and he, and what does she says? She says, well, you know, uh, all these people are coming back from town and, I, and maybe we can go to my birthday party next week. I'm going to get to see all these people again next week. And Gary's like, oh really? It's your birthday. And she's like, yeah. And, uh, you think he would have known that filling out her medical forms for the abortion, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, she says, well, everyone's invited. And he's like, can I come too? And she's like, of course. And they like kiss and, it's implied from here on out that Gary and Karen are dating; that she is his girlfriend, and they are a, they're an item now.
1: Yeah, she's, he's so happy. He comes home pretending, coming home from the ski trip, he sees his parents. You know, who he's he hasn't had much of a relationship that we've seen in the movie, other than being awkward in front of them and their friends. And he's just so happy around them for the first time. You could just see his life's about to change for the better.
0: <laughs> well, we did see Gary's mom earlier when she was in bed with the Big Apple.
1: <laughs> yes. That's a different kind of
0: relationship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, <laughs> so anyway, Gary is in with Karen, and they're a thing now, and we don't see it, but it's implied they probably go on a couple of dates. Like I don't, I don't know exactly what the timeline is, but at the next scene we see is he's in a pawn or a jewelry shop. And again, he's already sold everything he has to buy this girl, her abortion, to help her without. And now he's buying a pendant for her, for like her birthday. This is her big birthday gift. And he gets it inscribed to Karen with a K, love always Gary, or something like that. And he even tells the jeweler, it's for my girlfriend and I need it for this weekend because it's for her birthday party.
1: Yeah. And interesting that you thought. I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't pick up on the, the idea that maybe they went on dates. I kind of like it more that nothing's happened since, yeah. since their kiss. And, you know, he just is calling her his girlfriend to strangers and he's in his Gary world. Uh, He he firmly believes this.
0: It's possible. It's because it's an entirely different movie if they've gone out on dates by now. Right. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. So that's that's our interpretation. We're not sure. But, yeah, he clearly thinks that she's his girlfriend and that tonight is the big night and they're going to announce to the world they're dating and he's going to give her the pendant. So, again, the big birthday party scene Get ready to have your hearts ripped out if you've never seen this movie before.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Essentially, he goes to the party. He has the gift. Uh, he's asking where Karen is. He's in the kitchen. Uh, he goes up, opens the door, and what does he see?
0: He sees Karen, his girlfriend, making out. With Rick, the guy who got her pregnant and dumped her, that she has apparently forgiven him for all the stuff he's done, they've gotten back together, and she loves him just like before.
1: Ugh, Rick, you know?
0: Oh my god. Fucking Rick, man. You gotta love him. (laughs) Troy Perkins, damn it! Everybody has a Troy Perkins in
1: their life. Yes.
0: For some, Troy Perkins is an evil man who's trying to kill us. (laughs) (laughs) It's my El Guapo joke right there. Okay, so... So yeah, you, you just Gary walks into Karen's birthday party. Everyone's there. They got the fucking balloons in the pool. They've spared no expense, and he walks in the bath of the kitchen, and there's his dream girl Karen making out with a guy who got her pregnant and dumped her, and it's the worst scene you've ever seen in a movie. Just the look on Gary's face, his eyes just drop. <laughs>
1: everything darkens at that point um, and then the music plays. I did my
2: best but I guess my best wasn't good enough cause here we are back where we were before
0: Yeah, Just Once is the song which they play about ten times through the movie. It's the sign that the song that shows things will not go well for gary but yeah you see gary's face drop like the whole background of the movie kind of fades away so you just see gary and karen and as she's making out with rick she kind of opens her eyes and sees gary and they lock eyes across the room and she starts crying and there's so many ways to interpret that but it's just like i'm sorry gary but i never liked you sorry i mean this is my dream guy here right god damn it karen
1: (laughs) you harpy um, that the look on her face is interesting. At first, it seems like she doesn't care, and then the tears come.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So like you said; it, it's it's hard to say if she's really sorry. I'm more interested because I wouldn't. Why wouldn't I be? He's Rick. I'm more interested in Rick's face <laughs> than Karen's. And the performance of 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 Steve Anton. It just it looks like at times it looks like he doesn't care. It, it it looks like it definitely looks like he's not gloating. Like I think he wants to be friends with Gary. I think he I think in some way he does care about Gary. Um, despite being, you know, the asshole of of the trio. And like he's not gloating, he's not his, his face is blank. He doesn't know what to do. That's how I took uh Rick's face after everything.
0: Yeah. I mean despite this movie's flaws, this scene in particular is really fantastic and well done because like you said, it's it's just faces. They're just cutting back from faces of people staring at each other. And you have Karen and Rick turning around and looking at Gary, and Karen's in tears. And Rick is just kind of looking at him like, hey, buddy, what's up? <laughs> like, not really even realizing what's going on. And Gary is just, like, his puppy just died. You can just see it in his eyes. It's just terrible. And, like, like Karen, there's a, there. you can make the argument Karen's almost looking at him like, I'm sorry. I know I made a mistake. I know this is the wrong move, but I have to follow my heart. So like, you can almost see it from Karen's point of view. Like, you know, she's making a terrible mistake. Like this guy just dumped you. He got you pregnant. He wouldn't pay for the abortion. He dumped you. Now he's getting back together. And like, she knows, I think she knows it's a mistake and she can't help it. And it's just very, very real and heart wrenching and painful. Just everybody involved in this scene.
1: Right. And I don't think she ever really cared about Gary. Um, she may be apologetic, but mm-hmm. you know, I think she kissed him just because she was wrapped up in the moment and she was just going with her feelings at the moment.
0: Yeah, Gary got friend-zoned a long time ago.
1: Yeah, you could tell it right away. Like I said, I didn't trust her from the beginning.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I've heard people angry at karen and it is it is easy to get angry at karen if you get wrapped up in this movie but you can of course see it from her point of view that you know she's young and flighty and rick is the hottest thing since sliced bread and she just wants to give him another chance like it doesn't work in anybody's case but in our case it might <laughs> she goes tobias here yes i i know what you're going with but i was going to talk about the look that rick rick the friend gives to gary i never thought about his reaction to me it just looks like oh hey gary like hey, hey, you're at Karen's birthday. Cool. Like I don't think he ever has, but it would be fun to interpret what his face is saying to see if he's going full on like Belloc from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like uh, now you see Doctor Jones, there is nothing you can possess which I cannot take away.
1: Yeah, and I took it as like like I said, he's he's not he's not gloating. He's he I think he recognizes Gary's feelings, but he's not he's not sorry essentially.
0: Yeah, he's not sorry because he's Rick. He's like, well, this is just the way it works, dude. Like, I get the girls. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, next time around, maybe you'll get her. Maybe you can have sloppy seconds. (laughs)
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) Hi, Gary. I've had sex with Rick. Would you like to have sex with me too, Gary? (laughs) Yes, Karen, please. David, would you like to take a turn? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to see the Big Apple bouncing on top of any other women. Once is enough, please. (laughs) Well, fortunately, with rewatches, you can see it many times.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Somebody makes to me to make one of those animated uh, gifs of uh, David bouncing on top of Carmella. That would be a fun one. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so, anyway, this is the moment when people like Bill Simmons and other people talk about this movie, how it just comes completely out of nowhere, that all of a sudden this is a heartbreak movie. You don't realize it's such a heart wrenching, horrible, unrequited love movie. And it, it's even worse with the ending. Like, Gary has just seen his heart get his heart torn out when his best friend hooks up with his girl again. He's got this $80 pendant engraved to her that it's now going to go to waste in his pocket. And here's how the movie literally ends. Gary goes out to his car, and he drives home, and he's driving back to his house alone, and he's crying, and it's focusing on his face, and it plays just once Like, uh, I forget how the lyrics go, but it's all this sad song about how we just, we can't get love to work. And the movie ends, it literally ends with him crying and just once playing. Yeah, the credits roll over his crying face. (laughs) Like, what the fuck, movie?
1: (laughs) Oh, man. Blue balls instantly, like I said.
0: Yeah, oh, man, this is, yeah, this is a tough one to sit through if you've ever, especially if you're young and you have, like, People you've pined for, and it was not requited—like they didn't like you back, or it just didn't work out, or you love someone from afar, and it just wasn't meant to happen. This is like the ultimate, just soul-crushing experience. This movie, and I've seen so many people just have experienced this movie, not knowing what they're what they're going into when they sit down, and it just kills them. This ending kills people,
1: right? And um you know, with the movie being over, I guess I can explain why I like the first half with the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's kind of like, it sets it up into what I know, like we said, it's a little clunky that there, there's scenes where he's mad at Rick, then he'll be friends with Rick again and stuff like that. And it just seems almost like two different movies, sex comedy, and then after school special coming of age story.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But like, it, it's like there's some scenes in the first half that kind of make it seem like these are, they show that they're just kids trying to be adults. And like, with the, the drug scene, like they don't have it they got to deal with sweet and low <laughs> like, like, like uh rick not understanding and saying i thought you were my friends he almost seems like a little kid at that point point. i feel like all of them except for maybe david i think
0: david's got his shit together uh david's who i want to be when i grow up <laughs> yeah the fat kid is the ideal that's who you want that's the role model you want to take out of this movie yeah i mean he falls
1: a lot and he, he gets put in bad situations but that's okay but like there's just a lot of innocence there and, and they're not re- they're they want to be ready for adulthood and these adult things but i don't know if they are necessarily Or what rick might be but uh i just i don't think rick cares and uh and then just you know the, the turn happens and then i feel like it was just set up a lot especially for gary's downfall there's a lot of things in the beginning um just his attitude towards sex and being afraid and just things they don't understand
0: you know which other movie you just described? It's kind of interesting. I didn't realize the parallels here. You're talking about all these kids trying to live in these fast times and trying to be grown-ups when they're not. That sounds very similar to another teen movie that came out about two weeks after this. <laughs> yes. And that might be coming out on Staff Picks maybe soon. Yeah, I think But Fast Times is like two episodes away, so it'll be fun. Maybe I'll release these episodes back-to-back so people can hear them.
1: I think that would be a good idea.
0: Now, poor Gary. Of course, Gary... Immediately goes home and puts a shotgun in his mouth, right? Is that in the sequel? I was going to ask you what you thought
1: the next, like, the, if the movie was, like, 20 minutes longer, what
0: would happen? <laughs> I know how it happens. Gary will continue to pine over, over Karen for the next three years or two years, however old they are. And it will never happen, that she is never once ever going to see him as a romantic object. So his life is just going to be a living hell. And, again, I speak from someone who has lived this in high school. I know how it works. But, I mean, fair enough, he got the kisser
1: once, so he'll always have that in his spank bang.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. And Gary, of course, Lawrence Monison, all these horrible lessons he learned about love. Luckily, he was able to translate them into his next movie. Michael, I know you're a fan of Lawrence Monison's other great movie from the early to mid-80s. What movie would that be?
1: I am. This is the movie that introduced me to to good old Larry. Friday the 13th, part four, the final chapter, which is not really the final chapter. They lied, but he is—he's basically Gary. He pl- he plays a character named Teddy. He's basically Gary, but with David's swagger. Like he's very confident, but he still can't get in.
0: Yeah, he never—he never actually uh, seals the deal in a Friday the Thirteenth movie, which is impressive for a Friday the Thirteenth movie if you're not able to have sex. Right. He's just a goofy character, and he still gets killed. <laughs> terrible! It's terrible! It's unfair.
1: He's—I think he's watching. <laughs> I'm sure Gary did this too. He's watching like old. Porn from like the eight, from like the eighteen hundreds somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Some frontier porn? <laughs> yes. With with very obese women. And then he gets a a knife through
0: the skull through the projector. And you could argue that's a more merciful ending than the last American virgin. <laughs> I don't think you have to argue. I think it's true. Yeah, he fares better getting stabbed in the head than he does in this movie. <laughs>
1: I think before he went on to be Teddy, I I think he went home and 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 shagged Mrs. Roswell. That's what happened.
0: <laughs> so Mrs. Roswell becomes the Americanized Carmella.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: okay. So Gary's story does indeed have a happy ending. He hooks up with Mrs. Roswell, and Rick and Karen, of course, stay together forever and have many kids and have been married now for like thirty-five years. So it's it was a happy ending all around.
1: Yes, I think the B- Big Apple is a wealthy man somewhere. <laughs>
0: yes, he's Mark Cuban. He became the owner of the Dallas Mavericks <laughs> okay, so hopefully we have not depressed you too much with this movie. This is a again, it's a very uh interesting, important. Uh, entry in the 80s teen movie genre that doesn't really get the attention that it should. And again, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's the best movie ever, but if you like interesting teen movies that were doing stuff that other movies of their era weren't doing, Last American Virgin is pretty legendary in that respect. Just so many people talk about this ending that no one sees it's come, it coming. It's so heartbreaking and dark and just real, I think that's the word I, I, hear, I hear used a lot, like, this is what happens in real life, like, the guy and the girl that are supposed to end up together don't a lot of the times, because people make weird decisions, they make bad decisions, they uh, they think with their, their heart instead of their mind, and that's really what happens here at the end, so it's a very realistic portrayal of how teen love works, and it's brutal, so that's that's my last thoughts on this one, it's a brutal, brutal, memorable ending, and I hope everyone sees it at least once.
1: Yeah, it's typically I like escapism in movies, but the realism, for some reason, this is very rewatchable for me.
0: Yeah, and luckily Karen later made up for it by becoming a medieval princess in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure.
1: Yes, she, she, she changes her harpy ways
0: okay so anything else you want to say about last american virgin uh i think this is one of the uh rare explicit episodes we've done so congratulations you now have earned the uh the famed e on itunes so good job
1: awesome i'm not sure what that means but it sounds like a good thing so
0: <laughs> that means that my my hundreds and hundreds of listeners under the age of 18 should not listen to this one ah uh, that's okay they got to learn some time Yeah, but although, again, this is the movie that teenagers should see because this is the way love works, kids. It will break your heart. Get used to it. Life sucks. Yes.
1: You'll always have that spank bank, though.
0: (laughs) Yes. And we will end on that nice thought. Thank you, as always, for joining me, Mike. And uh, this was a fun movie to talk about. Again, I hope people rush out and see it, or at least just Google the ending on YouTube. It's on there, and it's legendary how nihilistic and dark it is. And again, my name is Mario Lanza. This is Staff Picks. If you want to reach me, you can reach me, staffpickspodcast at gmail.com. You can reach me on Twitter, at Mario J. Lanza. And until the next time I talk to you, I'll be out for searching more underrated, underloved movies that you can put in your spank bank, and I'll find somebody interesting to come on and talk about them. I will talk to you guys later. Bye.
2: Yes, you do t-